You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. All right, welcome once again to another episode of the DIY Recording Guys. As always, I'm your host, Ben, along with... And I'm Vadim. 2022, my friend. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. I'm excited. You ready to hit the ground running? All rested up? I am. (laughs) Yeah. I I actually did rest up a little bit. You know, I took a solid... I took a week off, which I never do. I never really take like a full week. It was nice. I had a a two-day session in my studio the week between Christmas and New Year's, and I'm never going to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Not that it wasn't... Wow, yeah. Not that it wasn't good. Um, The client requested it, so I was like, yeah, I need the business. Why not? But there is something to be said for like just having having some time off, even if it's only a week. But between the... It doesn't even need to be at the the end of the year, but just like a place where you could take a vacation away from things and just reset your brain a little bit, reflect on the past. So I feel like I'm kind of playing catch up already where I would have been able to do all my reflection and planning for this year if I just had that week off. But now I feel like I've been doing it over a two week period in my free time, which is not <laughs> which is not ideal, but you know, you live and learn. But I did have a nice Christmas and and New Year's. It was it was really awesome. You're right. It doesn't really it doesn't quite matter when you do it, but I, I just find that two days or even three like it takes two or three days just to get the freight train to to come to a stop. <laughs> yeah. Then you then you can start resting and like recuperating. And then it takes like two or three days on the back end to get that freight train going again. So yeah, if not you longer. Can't, you can't just <laughs> It's not longer, yeah. You can't, um, you can't do it in like three days. So that's why I, I tried a full week, and I tried to do like a thing where I was like, I did nothing for two days. I just like read and relaxed and watched Netflix, and then I would like do some chores, just do like not work stuff, you know, mm-hmm. whatever I've been meaning to catch up on. And then uh, I did kind of a soft start to the year where I, I worked myself back in. It seemed to work well, except uh, it's been now one week back, and I'm tired again. So <laughs> I need another week off. I feel like. <laughs> oh man, I I like it in theory. We'll see if I could try it next year. If I can. Yeah, you got to give it a shot. You got to give it a shot. Well, you talked about you know reflection. This this time to reflect on the past and use it maybe to set a course for the future. That's kind of what we're doing today. Yes. A little bit late. You know, we, we're doing a year-end review episode, and it's the new year already, so we're, we're a bit behind there. No surprise. That's the <laughs> DIY recording, guys. Let's just pretend it's form. the fiscal year-end review. Right, yeah. right. It's the fiscal year. Yeah, exactly. So we just have a couple of prompts, and we're going we're gonna to talk through some things that we've learned this year, some things that... We maybe want to learn in the coming year. You know, this podcast is kind of a good vehicle for that. At least for me, I found where sometimes I'll pick a spot that I'm interested in researching and learning and experimenting with, and then that becomes an episode, right? And you've done the same thing. You had the acoustic guitar episode. We've done bass DI and guitar DI shootouts. We've done all this. This is all stuff that like we're learning about. And yeah. then we get to share it on the podcast. So this is going to be kind of a summation of that. 
and hopefully give you guys some things to think about in your own upcoming year. Now, where do you want to start, Ben? Well, obviously, we should uh, let's do the reflection part first. And I think that's where the majority of our content is for today. Anyways, looking back on 2021, and then we have a little bit of looking forward to 2022. So um, uh, I kind of went off of your notes that you sent me. Do you want to start around biggest recording breakthroughs? I thought that was a good Yeah, one. why not? Let's just swing for the fences. Yeah. Biggest recording breakthroughs. So this is, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily recording, but something in your production workflow where you feel in 2021, you really made a step change improvement and talk about it. What do you attribute that improvement to? What was it? How'd you do it? Awesome. Um, I've got three things. I don't know how many you wow. have, but maybe I can rapid fire through them. Actually, the first two are kind of related. So, well, the prompt was your biggest. So you, okay, you have three, okay. your biggest, I guess you got a tie for first three way tie. That's fine. Let's do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> and the first two were kind of one, uh, but I would okay. say, and I actually had to think about this because it kind of was like, um, it, it naturally happened because of the gear that I have and also from just practicing more recording. But I noticed that I got a lot more confident in uh, capturing really great vocal performances and also trusting my gut a lot more whenever it comes to my vocal productions. Because I always felt like, uh, and that might not have been true because I had had people tell me the opposite as far as oh, your vocal productions are great, but I always felt self-conscious about it because vocals are not one of my strengths as far as um, my musicianship. Like, I can do mm. vocals, but I'm much more comfortable being an instrumentalist. Uh, and I listen to a lot of instrumental music. I'm like, the vocals are mm. just an after afterthought. So I was always a little bit, um, you know, self-conscious about my vocal quality and productions, but now I feel like I've gotten enough experience, uh, enough great gear. I love my Slate ML1 microphone. It's a great condenser um, that I can consistently capture great vocal performances. Well, that's great. And I, I do want to say that I think the last, I don't know, two or three mixes that I've heard of yours were, I thought, the best vocal productions mm. you've had, hands down. So yeah, awesome. I mean, it. I definitely. Uh, I'm glad to hear you say that you've you've gained the confidence. I think that's warranted. Other than the um, the Slate ML1, what do you attribute? Like, what did you do differently this year to get to get to that level of confidence? I think you know, honestly, I think what I did was just getting more confident in uh, recording and production as a whole. Mm. Allowed me to get through the instrumental stuff quicker. And then I still had, uh, whether it's mental resources or actual time to spend on the vocals and actually ah. think about them more. So I think that's probably the biggest difference. That's changed a lot. You know what? That that really resonates with me because I, I do, in my productions, I do tend to focus on instruments first. They just It's always felt like the backbone of the the song to me. And that's in part, I think, because of the, the, the genres of music we both grew up listening to are very heavily instrumental focused but that makes sense you know if you you got to carve the, the the mind space to work on vocals and one way to do that is to get faster at the other stuff yeah so 
That makes sense. What about in terms of like your recording chain or anything like that? Your the way you process vocals, anything different there significantly? Um, I think I've just settled on uh not even necessarily templates, but I've uh settled on a vocal chain I'm really happy and comfortable with. And so instead of just guessing or shooting out random plugins or microphones or settings, mm -hmm. I'm I just have a go-to setting that I know works. And then I just adjust from there. It makes things so much quicker. Yeah, I, I, I that speaks to me as well. I think I've gotten more comfortable with my vocal chain and just reminding myself that just because it's vocals doesn't mean it has to be magic. Like, just go yeah. with what works, you know? <laughs> I, I resonate with that as well. Like, um, I think I used to shoot for trying to make my vocals sound like other productions I've heard or other... Uh, making them mimic what I like in other records. And mm. I definitely notice a change as far as just thinking, no, just make them sound good. And good can be just what you think sounds good. It doesn't have to be even measured up to anything else. Like if you like the way the vocal sounds and, and the artist is happy, then then we're all groovy, right? <laughs> cool. What's, uh, what's your other third one or second one, I guess? Um, I think I might touch on this in some other places, so I won't spend too much time. But okay, this this year was like a a definite a definite improvement. We've even covered this in the podcast, but huge improvement in in being able to commit to tones and just trust my gut instincts on pretty much every project. Like I've I've never thought I would be this guy, but I find myself like printing tones in in recording and just trusting. That that's gonna work out great, and I can print those tones and mix from there. I don't need the DIs. I have this a touch on this later in this in this episode, but I, I will say that I got a piece of advice from somebody not too long ago about this, mm. and the advice was this: if you were if you got a song to mix and it had printed guitar tones, you would make them work. That's a good right? point. You would make them work, and that, I was like, yeah, that's true. So. You don't have to be so scared to commit because you, you can make it work, right? So I, I agree with you there. I still have a ways to go, I think. Uh, that's going to be one of the things I focus on this coming year. Good. I like that. My, my biggest breakthrough this year from a production standpoint was just learning how to use distortion in, in non-obvious ways. So, we, you know, obviously guitar distortion I've mm -hmm. used my whole life <laughs> yeah. and that's fine it's great but using distortion on other things and specifically different types of saturation what I found is a couple of quick things that that are kind of become my go-to's I find that tape saturation however you get it plugins there's lots of free actually wonderful saturation plugins out there but uh tape saturation specifically adds a what I would call um a depth to the field it's almost like a very tight reverb in a sense it adds kind of a 3d quality what i would describe it as is like if you've ever seen a globe with the, where the mountains are textured you can like run mm -hmm. your fingers over them and feel them and it just gives it that kind of 3d look that's kind of what i get from using tape saturation on a source and for that reason, it's a great form of distortion to use on just about anything, hmm. right? 
Whereas like tube, I find is a very, uh, it's a way to add like density to the mid range. It adds weight and you can definitely overdo tube. Like if you have too much tube distortion on, on too many tracks, you'll get a very cluttered kind of washed out, uh, Mm -hmm. mid range. So these little things, I've been just playing around with them all year. I finally feel like I'm at the point where I can I can more confidently reach for these different distortion tools and get them to do something I want them to do in a mix. I love it. That's awesome. Um, I don't know the differences between the different kinds of distortion, probably as well as you do, but I love using tape. Like pretty much go like a, a tape distortion plugin that I have from Slate pretty much goes on every single mix. On the on the bus, on the, yeah, yeah, on the master. That's normally one of the first things that I turn yeah. on, and it's hard to make it not work. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's a lot of you know people with tape machines. A lot of times, uh, will track things like drums to tape. That tape plug-in on a snare just rounds out the transient, mm-hmm. makes it really, really nice. So, yeah, I recommend uh, playing around with that if if you are looking for more texture and just a, a more more density in your mix without adding layers these these some of these distortion tools are great to play with so that was my biggest breakthrough i'm i'm happy i, I still have more to do on this definitely because there's still other types of things that i i'm still dialing in like transistor distortions right or like mm-hmm. just just different types of things but in general i feel better than Good. i did in 2020 I so love it. there you go Cool. What's next? Um, <clears throat> why don't we go to uh, top three things we learned from 2021? Yeah, breakthroughs excluded. What's the top three things? All right, I'll start. I guess. Um, do we want to go back and forth, or do you want me to just give me give you my three? Yeah, let's go back and forth. Okay. Uh, first one in 2021, I got much better at identifying. And creating a more dense mix without cluttering things up. And this is everything from what we just talked about with creatively adding distortion using tape plugins or saturation. Uh, but this also goes to the arrangement and just knowing mm. when another part needs added and when it's too much. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> taking big strides in getting much better at this. Cool. That's a great one. For me, the first thing was uh, faster and better editing using some of the some of the not advanced but more advanced capabilities in in Pro Tools. And I've learned this through just doing a lot of editing and uh, working with some people who have showed me some tricks. And I think you had something about editing on on your list as yeah. well. Um, but I found that. I've gone back and forth on on where in my process and production process to do editing, and I'm actually considering changing this again, given what I've learned recently. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to try this yet, but one of the things I'm considering doing is actually saving the editing for towards the end of the process, and or at least till after um, I've got tones somewhat dialed in the reason is editing takes a long time even though i've gotten faster at it this year i find that there's a tendency to get some 
like snow blindness earlier than you otherwise would. If you spent all day editing a guitar track, like, are you still hearing that guitar track? I don't know. Yeah. So part of it, part of me is wondering, would it be better to kind of get the mix knowing that I'll edit, it'll be tight later. And like, can I look past that? I don't know. This is, um, so I've gotten, the thing I've learned is, is get to get better at editing and I'm considering whether that should change my workflow or not. Don't know yet. That's, that's interesting. I have some thoughts about that. I don't want to go too off the rails, but I, all I'll say is that um, whether it's projects that I've recorded or tracks I've gotten from other people, I'm, I've gotten way better at this too, but maybe like two years ago and earlier than that, um, I would do some amount of editing up front after recording. Mm-hmm. And then later as the mix went on and I started especially adding things to brighten the mix, I noticed more problems in the editing that I inevitably had to address later. And Like bad edits or things that you hadn't edited because they sounded fine, but now they're not? Yeah. That type of thing? Yeah. And I mean, that could be a whole variety of different mm. things. Like Because one thing that I noticed is if you... I mean, editing is such a technical process. If you're in... If you're if you're in a creative mindset, you cannot edit. Like you have to be in a very like analytical, like technical process driven mindset to be able to like really well like edit. At least at least for me. Um, so like being in the right headspace is important for that. And and I could have been missing that if I jumped right into it after being excited about tracking something or or doing some creative types of things. So. I don't know. Yes. Um, but yeah. So it uh, it gives me it gives I me know what you mean. It gives me reason to think that like um it's not a bad idea what you brought up about moving the editing to a hmm. to a later place. I'm, I'm not talking about like big things, I guess. Like like obviously the vocals stuff like that has to be tuned. I just hmm. mean more like tightness. I know I can get a tight I can get an edit tight most of the time without even listening to it. Right, just a lot of so much of editing yeah, is visual. It's true. Um, and I've just I I've always done it up front, and and it kind of saps my excitement for the production. Man, yeah. And another, I know what you mean. <laughs> another great piece of advice I got from from a friend of mine is um, I was I was talking to him about this problem I have where I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but where I I, I tend to um do all this nitty gritty detail stuff before making big picture changes and what he like like for example committing to a guitar amp tone right i'll edit the di typically before i do that which is okay but his point was you're much less likely to make a good decision on tone when you're less excited about the song yeah i thought that kind of made sense no so anyway that's that's, a great point that it's a bit of a tangent but something to think about what's your next one uh, I'll mention that editing as well, and I, I feel it, it was kind of a light bulb moment when I was talking to you about drum editing, and <laughs> um, you sent me this great video that I've watched a couple times now and modified it to work for me in Studio in Studio One because the tools are a little bit different and the workflow is a little bit different. Um, but you just mentioned to me about how. Uh, yeah, you can quantize your edits to the grid for a live drummer, and it, there's nothing wrong with that. And it 
broke something in my brain because I didn't even realize that I was whenever I edited drums in particular, and it was a it was a couple different things. So, um, over the summer, I took my band into the into a local studio here in Pittsburgh to do a session, and I was hoping to use those drums that we recorded for a promo video that I released, and. I edited them and it turned out that the tones weren't going to work for the final product. So I said, Hey, that's fine. I'll just edit them and I'll take the, I'll take the MIDI that I can generate from those edits and it'll be fine. Right. And what I found was I edited them by ear going through like part by part and just anywhere that I noticed like, oh, that feels off. I'll make an edit, which is the mm -hmm. old way that I used to do editing. And there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. Some genres, you're able to get away with more loose editing. But when I went back and put my guitars with it, I'm like, this just sounds bad. And I wound up just completely quantizing it to the grid and I felt so bad about it. And <laughs> yeah, I felt so bad about it. And I'm like... I'm completely taking all the humanization out of this performance. Um, so that happened. And then months later, we had that conversation. And you're like, yeah, just, just quantize it to the grid. That's what everybody does. Yes. Now, it is, you said it. It's very, very, very genre dependent. But in a busy pop or metal production, you can absolutely quantize you can get right on the grid for for a live drum performance and it'll just sound like mike mangini played it instead of yeah. cousin carl you know it's just gonna sound better the humanity is from the variation and the symbol hits and stuff like that now if you're doing a midi program kit i would not quantize it yeah fair enough fair enough yeah so and, and again it's yeah genre dependent you don't want to crush the feel of like your indie punk no track no not but, at all but but that was a big um yeah that was a big uh learning cool. thing for me and you know yeah, I'll me, take too. It forward. me too <laughs> cool my next one is mastering workflow i feel uh this this year i developed a really consistent workflow for mastering songs i mastered a whole album in one day this year mm. which um you know that's nothing for top tier mastering engineers. But for me, I think in 2020, I don't think I, I would have been able to do that. I don't think my ears were where they needed to be for mastering. And I don't think my workflow was where it needed to be. So I'm glad I, you know, I dialed in my chain. I know I start here. I, then I do this, then I do this, then I do this. So I felt uh, really good about that. Um, a lot of my workflow is in the DIY uh, mastering field guide, which we've mm. released on. We did an episode on that, and then there's a, a free guide we released on that as well. It's basically my workflow um, with some some fancier analog stuff that I have because I can. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, What's man. What's your next one? All right, my third is, so I had this epiphany. Um probably a couple months ago, whenever I was thinking about how I approach mixing or how mixing has changed for me over the years that I've been practicing it. And once again, I was having like one of these, uh, one of these feelings of like, am I doing something wrong? Because this is not what I thought mixing was at first. And oftentimes I find myself like, uh, 
when I'm doing like EQ moves or compression moves to elements of my mix that I tend to like to use processors that have knobs with no like numbers on them and less parametric EQ, more just like high shelves, low shelves, things with big, uh, like, like a knob that just says mid range and you don't know where is that, <laughs> where is that mid range centered and how large is the cue? You have no idea. You just use your ears. And, um, a lot of mixes I was doing, I wouldn't even touch like a parametric EQ on some of the elements in there. And I'm like, you're talking about this past year or yeah, be before this past, this past year. year. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, because before I definitely, when I first started mixing the first three years, Every single track I would go through and parametrically EQ out every single notch, every single nasty frequency out. Um, and I found myself on a couple mixes this year, like not even touching a parametric EQ or even listening to some of the individual elements in a mix. And I'm like, I don't know. I just don't feel like I need to. Like everything sounds good. Yeah. Why do I need to solo? Why do I need to solo the electric guitar? Like I can hear it is working with the drums. Um, and the epiphany that I had, because I was starting to feel like maybe am I like skipping steps by not going that in detail? That was the that was the crisis I was having. But then I thought about it this way. So um, <clears throat> you probably heard the saying that like mixing is about carving out frequencies and stuff like that. And I think that's where beginners at mixing can get hung up because they'll find a guide or a template online that says... Yes, you cut the guitar's three decibels at 500 hertz, and that's and you you cut uh, the left gu rhythm guitar that way, and then you boost on the opposite side, and that's how you get a wider stereo spread. And you know, not like that's a bad trick. I'm not hating on that, but um, just looking at mixing that way kind of puts you in a box because let's say that you printed those same, let's say you received some tracks from a recording engineer, and you didn't know that he did this, but the recording engineer had printed a parametric EQ on the left guitar that was a three decibel cut in the mid-range and also printed a three decibel boost in the mid-range on the right guitar. Those, let's just say in theory, when you receive those tracks, you're not going to have to do those same cuts again. They're already done for you. So the whole thought exercise behind it is sometimes you can just get tracks that are already carved the way they were recorded. And they're going to work with each other mm. in a mix. No, no extra, no extra processing needed, or no extra EQing needed. So, it kind of gave me um, peace of mind, having a different mindset going into mixing, as far as not feeling like I had to fix or adjust everything, but to actually just you know take a very objective listen to it, and say what. What needs to be done to enhance this, not what needs to be fixed? Yeah, I think, that, I, I think the, 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 the process is when you first start out, it is important to understand the concept of carving space. And there is, a, you're, I think everybody goes through this. I certainly went through it. There's a tendency then to overcarve and to over exaggerate, and you end up with stuff that doesn't quite sound right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then and then the 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 progression from there is to dial that back and realize that a lot of the carving comes in the arrangement and the tone selection. Mm 
And then if you've done that really well, you might not have to carve any space for anything because it'll already fit. So yeah, I think there's a, there's a journey there and, um, for sure. That's great. Yeah. That, that, I think that's, that's definitely a sign of progress. Cool. All right. Your third. My third thing is even more awesome guitars. Um, yes. this is, you know, it's, it's my, my white whale, my one arm man. <laughs> it's something I'm always chasing down. And this year I've, uh, cooked up a little more secret special sauce on uh, specifically around this concept of layering distortion and saturation uh, to get really even more awesome guitars. Yes. Uh, so I feel I it. feel pretty good about that. Cool. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I rambled so much and then it was just as simple as better guitars. I love it. Better uh, guitars, man. Always. Yeah. Every year. Every year I'm trying to get better guitars. I th I feel like, you know, from my perspective, and I'm I'm glad it's your white whale, because as a guitarist it should be. But from a bass player's perspective, like I'm just like, it's a guitar. <laughs> I feel How like dare you. I feel like I feel like my white whale is drums. Drums can always sound better. Mm. And I think my drums are pretty okay. good, but every every few months i learn another trick or or hear it in a different way so if you're live you're recording your live kit uh, both both yeah okay. just like yeah. virtual instruments or recording a live kit like there's a lot to yeah. learn when it comes to that no that's true drums drums are drums are always it's <clears> just like again it's an endless endless journey yeah. To, yeah to get them just where you want them so it, yeah it's amazing because i'll listen you listen to two different albums maybe a couple of years apart from the same band and it's the same personnel right it's the same producer same engineers same players and the drums will sound totally different yeah and one will be better than the other right and you and, you, and it's not always the the later one that's better and you're just like well what happened what would you guys do different it's, yeah. it's one of those things it just always always changes yep um do you want to move to what could have gone better Top three things okay. that could have gone better. <laughs> All right. Top three things that could have gone better. I already talked about this a bit, but I've been struggling with this um, a couple of... Okay, so I'll say it this way. When I'm, when I'm mixing a song, it gets stems, right? And you start over here. And then the whole time, I'm, every, every hour I spend on that mix, it's just getting better and better and better. Yeah. But for production... I tend to do this weird thing where when I'm when I'm arranging, if I'm arranging parts, I convince my brain, I say, I'm not, I don't know, don't worry about tones right now. It's it's about the notes. <laughs> it's ah. about the arrangement. And so I can I try to tell myself that I'm not thinking about tones right now. I'm just thinking about arrangement. And so I'll just throw on like presets or whatever and I don't care. And I, I'm building this production and I get to a point where I'm like, this is a cool production. I like it. And then when I'm like, okay, now that the product, like the arrangement is all there, now I'm going to go back and I'm going to choose tones. And to do that, I end up like tearing down everything I've built, right? Because I've used presets for drums or whatever. I rip all that down and I start from, from the bottom and it's so demoralizing, <laughs> even though I end up at a better spot than where I started. That process of tearing it down and then pressing play and being like, ah, oh, what happened to it? Yeah. It's so bad. And so I, I'm I'm changing that this year. I'm yes. really I'm gonna I applaud focus you for my changing energy. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's such a bad workflow. And and the truth is, 
it's like saying you don't care about fashion, right? You don't care about fashion, but like you're still picking a pair of pants in the morning. Like you're still that's, making a decision. That's a great analogy. I love it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. So now it's like when I'm working on the arrangement, I'm thinking about tones right away. That is my my thing for this. Or no, sorry. Yeah, that's my that's my first mistake I made, and it's also going to be my spoiler alert. My goal for for uh 2022 so what's your first one or give me your comments on that i just had a funny image in my head of like going to like a men's clothing store and just trying on a plain white like dress shirt and like plain white khakis and saying to the the dresser that's there no i don't care about what it looks like or the style i just want to find the pair that fits me and he's just like, well, why can't you just do both at, at the same time? And save yourself <laughs> some time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Why can't you do both? Exactly. Well, I, I will make you feel better and say I've gone through the same process as well. And, you know, where you you just want to get the, the idea down. Um, so there's something to be said for that. But I think the way that I've kind of combated that is I spent the time to pick some presets that I like that I know kind of will work. So it's not like I'm just starting from scratch, you know. I'm not on the default amp sim plugin. Yeah, and and I do that too, and that's that's the thing is that I I do cycle through the presets, right? I I you know for yeah. for like amps, I'm like, okay, not this one, not this one, not this one, this one. But then I don't like tweak it, and I guess mm. a lot of this comes from the way I used to write music, which is I would write with an unplugged electric guitar and just focus on like the notes how clean I could play it without the cover of heavy distortion. Interesting. And I think because I had that mindset like growing up, I kind of tried to use that in my production workflow. It's just not a good idea. I I've I've learned. Yeah. Interesting. No, I think it's a I think it's a great resolution, if you will. All right. I'll yeah. give you my first. Um I'll just read what I have here. I wasted too much time in mixing because my templates weren't robust enough or my pre-mix prep was lacking and I realized I had to fix something later. So yeah. I, I kind of mentioned that as far as like editing, I think, but this I'm particularly, I'm talking about, you know, I don't have like my gain staging set up right in, in my template or I forgot to route something a certain way and it's not hitting right. So you have to adjust that. Oh, I forgot to put this plugin on. So I spent a little bit of time the last week of 2021 read, just kind of fixing all those little problems with my template. And, mm. you know, I, I like to try to, every time I do a project, I like to do a little, um, uh, like a post project review or reflection and just yep. write down like, you know, what didn't work about my template or what didn't work about my process. And I try to fix that immediately because otherwise I'll, I'll forget you about forget. it. Yeah. But that was number one. That's a good one. Yep. Cool. Uh, my next one is on um, choosing tones again. I, I think this is, um, again, some, something I'm going to work on this year, but I've I've had issues with getting a mix to work on. It's got a bunch of DIs. I choose the tones, I do the editing, I do the mix, I send it out. The notes are cool, love the mix, but the guitar tone is like off. It's not where where we where we wanted it and it's mm. like, okay. That's on me because what I sh what the way it should work is you pick tones, you get a rough balance, you send that, say tones good, 
We good? Then you just make it better. You <laughs> Once yeah. the tones are approved, you take it better, right? Now, if you've done the whole process, then to go back and change tones, it's like, well, all right, I've already done the mix in the context of these tones. So now I have to rework that. So again, that's just a learning for me from having to go through that a couple of times. Better to do the iterative thing, send out something that's not totally done. And if you're mixing for your band, do that with your bandmates. It's easier to fix those, make those little course corrections earlier in the process. Great advice. Uh, my second one is I definitely, desperately this year want to have a more regular routine and schedule. Mm. Um, as much as I want to, as much as I think that I like to have, I like to have the freedom of, you know, working from home or working in my business where I can decide to do whatever I want to do. Humans are creatures of habit and routines and habits definitely help to reinforce productivity. Um, Cause if you're just jumping from thing to thing, like, like I was doing the past year, it is so frustrating from, from week to week. I sometimes would feel like I don't even know what I'm doing. I've completely lost sight of like any goals or, or, or <laughs> focus on what I was trying to do. And so I'm definitely trying to get better at that. Yeah, that's a big one. I, I agree with you. I, I had the same, went through the same process, still honing in my schedule, but um, yeah, having a, a regular routine. If you're working on your own music, it's the same thing. If you want to finish projects, make a schedule out of it. You know, yep. if whatever time you have that you're not at work or you're not at school, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, whatever you have to do, right? That's your time to work on your craft. Make it happen. I, I love it. My last mistake was completely ignoring social media. I have never done so little social media as I have in 2021. I got to say it was great for my personal life because I just wasn't staring into my phone that yes. much but bad for business, I assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't know, but I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's my third one. I'll, that's another thing I gotta, I gotta tighten up. This is something that a lot of engineers and musicians, well, maybe not musicians in general, but engineers struggle with is just like not enjoying social media and not wanting to interact with it. And so it's funny that like, I feel like every year my New Year's resolution or one of them is I'm going to spend more time on social media, whereas the rest of the world, it's like I'm going to spend less time on social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good it's point. Com complete opposite. I mean, I, like, I love talking to people one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. <clears throat> yes. I love face-to-face -face or even, even emails. I love, I love just like getting to know people and, and doing that. That's not how I end up seeing social media and that's not how my interactions end up being on social media right social media is more of like a shotgun blast approach and everybody's shouting into the same void and i don't know i have to find a balance there that that isn't doesn't i don't want to spend more time looking at my phone that's not that's a quality of life decision so yes, i have to find a I way as i think you do too for something that is can be done sustainably because i also my wife and i always talk about we don't want to look at the things in my life and evaluate them on the scale of how postable is this content? Yeah. Right. Like the moment you see something cool, you're like, wait, nobody move. 
this is a, a social po- like I don't want to live like that. So yeah, it's about finding the the right balance. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think everybody hates social media. Some people do it really well, and uh, the rest of us have some catching up to do. Yes, agreed. What's next? What's our next topic here? Um, let's see here. Probably one of my biggest flaws as far as like daily life goes. It's a big, it's a big um, productivity uh, roadblock for me. Is I'm like an information junkie. I love information. I love podcasts. Like any YouTube video that's like learn how to do this better. Like even if it's not something that I'll ever do in my life, like I'll click on it. <laughs> like how to, yeah, like a- anything from like. How to sharpen knives. Yeah, how to sharpen, how to, how we knew that this black hole existed in this galaxy far, far away. Like, oh, oh my I gosh. Love those, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and my mind was broken by, <laughs> once again, I was listening to the the Graham Cochran podcast. I decided to pick mm-hmm. it back up. Um, I listened to this one episode that, that caught my eye and he was talking about this exact problem of just like endlessly consuming information because we live in the information age. Um, but he definitely pointed out like a very important thing to, to recognize that just because we live in the information age doesn't mean we like live in the wisdom age or that we know what to do with information. There's just endless information out there, but like what good is that information unless you actually apply it or use it in a specific mm. way? Um, right. And then going along with that, he was talking about how some wise person has a quote about the cost of information is attention. And so if you think about it, the more information you're consuming, the less attention you have to things in your life. And if yeah. you want more attention to go to the things you're already doing, just consume less information. It, it feels super counterintuitive to me because I, I super highly value education, um, you know, in, in all aspects of life. Like the more you know, the more, you're, the more you unlock the ability to do things. But there is something to be said for I've consumed enough information. I need to digest this and actually apply it to see if it's working instead of yeah. just endlessly consuming more and more tips and tricks. I like that though. Um... Yeah, the cost of information is is attention. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Very, very. I'm really glad I listened to that because, um, I felt like in some ways like a zombie. It was just my routine of like, oh, I'm tired. I'll just grab some coffee. I don't feel like working yet, so I just listen to a podcast or or anything. It's just a distraction whenever, yeah. whenever it it becomes that. So yeah. I always think of it. You, you ever see uh, Goodwill Hunting? Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a kind of a throwaway scene in there that's um that's really good where Matt Damon is is making fun of this little painting that Robin Williams did. Uh-huh. And Robin Williams just reads him this this maybe it's not a throwaway scene. I'm trying to think if it's the the big monologue or not. But anyway, he says basically like he's telling Matt Damon like you think you know all this stuff because you've read a thousand books, but like have you ever actually been out in the world? Like have you ever been out of Boston, right? And he's just given him this, like, it's not, there's more to it than just, like, reading the information in books. And um, I point. think that's, yeah. <laughs> it's a, Yeah, it's the same point. Yeah, I love it. Uh, okay. Cool. We'll jump into maybe more of the fun things. I mean, that was fun things. Meat, that Here was we go. the meat and potatoes of the episode. But, um, oh, big, 
best piece of gear that you bought? Yeah, give me best piece of gear, best plug-in. What do you got? I got two best pieces of gear, and I have to. I have to mention two. I have to cheat because the do one, uh, the one isn't. Stu- it, it's not audio related, but it's helped my studio. Um, my Panasonic Lumix camera. It's uh, it was a decision to start doing more content that way, and funny enough, it's already paid for itself in the clients that it's brought in, in like roundabout wow. ways, which is super weird. Um, yeah. But it's been a fun thing. Uh, the other thing, I didn't buy too much gear this year, but I finally was able to try out the cloud lifter um, box that yeah. I bought. It's a stereo one. It's called the Clark Technic Mic Booster CM2. It's super okay. cheap. It's easy and it works. I, I used it for my ribbon microphones. And it okay. Great. You like it? Yep. This gives you a little bit more gain. Cool. Yep. Work great. Cool. Mine was um, the DIY recording equipment duo, which is mm. where I get a lot of my saturation for mastering jobs I do. And um, I'm still, it's the one with the little interchangeable modules. Oh, that's so I've cool. I've kind of settled on three that I really like. And uh, yeah, that thing is, uh, it's great. It just makes everything good a little bit better. So Was that the one I'm you were really recommending to me or was that the silver bullet you were recommending to me? I was never recommending anything to you. <laughs> no. It's no the silver silver bullet is um yeah that's the uh, louder than liftoff product. That's a bit more in, involved. It's a similar concept, but it's a bit heftier price tag. Mm. That is a very cool. That's similar concept in that you can you can just run your mixes through it and add some additional stuff some additional magic Mojo. so this is similar but a more more diy and more uh, budget option cool um the best plugin that i bought um i bought a few different plugins but the most odd one that i got um i'm glad i ran across it it was it's by this company i've never heard of before called milda audio or milda production hmm. and it's an auto-align plugin, not quite as good as the auto-align that you know of. I forget who makes the expensive auto-align. Is it like Vocaline or something? No, not Vocaline. I'll look, I'll look it up here. Um, what does it do? It automatically line? will line up the phase of two tracks. Auto-align. Okay. So like for multi-mic. Might be by, by Sound Radix, yeah. Or DIs, yeah, it's auto aligned by Sound Radix. It's expensive; it's 150 bucks. And I don't want to, I don't want to dish out that amount of money. I just wanted a simple auto align plugin, and I found this one for on Black Friday for, I think it was 20 bucks, and it works awesome. So, how do you use it? You you slap it across all the tracks you're trying to align. Yeah, the just... way that I've, I've only used it in a couple different instances. I just experimented with guitar at first um but i mainly used it for drums like multiple mics on the same source and you just hit analyze and let it play a little bit and it will automatically kind of detect where the phase is and it'll it'll switch i mean but is it is it a where is it it's on each each of your drum tracks yep it'll automatically sync up yep you just add it and automatically will group to each other so it works great and it's and it's affordable and it did exactly what i needed it to do yeah, that, I mean, that's a great workflow improvement. I still am doing that manually. Um, I've looked at a couple of phase alignment tools. I think Waves has one, but 
uh, haven't pulled the trigger on any yet. So that's, I might, I might reach out to you at some point about that. Mm. All right. Uh, my f- best plugin is a free plugin. Didn't even buy it. It's uh, TDR Nova. Tokyo Dawn Recordings is the company. They, they make cool plugins. This is just a four. There's a free version of this a plugin and a paid version. The free version is a four band parametric EQ, but it has a dynamic EQ function. So like oh, the cool. industry standard is, is Pro-Q, which I don't have. Um, so I, I needed that. I needed, um, a parametric EQ with a dynamic EQ function. It works awesome. I've used it in mastering. I use it for everything. It's free and it's That's got an, amazing. a really great, um, FFT, like a frequency analyzer. Mm. Really good. So, um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Free plugin. Check it out. That's awesome. I love it. Okay, and now we go to, um, I'm still trying to think of mine. I don't have one on here yet, but worst thing you bought in 2021. Yeah, this is kind of a throwaway category, but <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling with, I, uh, I, I have Windows 8.1 still. I have like a, a pretty awesome like desktop computer. It's, it's, it's powerful. It's got 32 gigs of RAM. It's great, but I'm stuck on Windows 8.1 and I've now reached the point where like, I'm paying for a Pro Tools subscription, but I can't update to the latest Pro Tools because uh, it doesn't work on Windows 8.1. I can't use some Waves plugins because the versions I bought are not compatible with 8.1. So I finally am upgrading to Windows 10. I made a system image last week and I'm ready, almost ready to do it. But oh my God, I'm just dreading having to reinstall everything and, and um, doing it that I way. So. Anyway, everything I bought this year that doesn't work on Windows 8.1 has been a worthless investment so far. That's so sad. (laughs) Has it been a lot of things? It sounds like a lot, like a decent amount. No, it's not a lot. Mostly it's this Pro Tools subscription that's just, every time I have to pay it, I'm like, I'm not even using it. So The way you could, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I got to do that. I got to make the the shift to... um, Windows 10. I'm still not quite ready to build my own PC, Ben. I'm not. I'm not quite <laughs> there. My my machine is still going strong. So I'm gonna see what keep the Windows machine. upgrade does for me first. Yeah, keep your machine, and once you reinstall everything, it'll give it new life. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, it will. It will. Um. Yeah, I can't think of. There probably is something stupid that I bought that I don't use anymore, or that there's there's inevitably a plugin that I bought that. I don't even use that I don't even know is on my system. I find right, those every right. now and again where I'm like, yeah. oh, I didn't even know I had this thing. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like an old box of Legos or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Every now and then it'll just show up in your menu. You're like, what is that? Yeah. Can I buy that? <laughs> <laughs> what does it do? All right. Yeah. Fair All enough. All right. Um, let's do what what business challenge yes. did you solve this year? It's just, I mean, it's, it's a DIY recording podcast, but. You know, this is us being vulnerable, talking about our studios. Maybe some of you listening are planning on expanding your studios to other artists. So what's a business challenge you solved? A big one for me, um, going back to the consistency thing and and committing to tones and things like that, this is related. Um, This is the first year I feel like I was able to finish projects for clients in a very consistent manner because... Uh, probably every previous year to this year, I would inevitably have one or two clients where like the pro- the projects just dragged on for months mm-hmm. and 
it wasn't the artist's fault. It was more my fault. Um, okay. And I just had cool clients that were just like, oh, whenever you get to it, it's fine. And, you know, it is, as you know, it's hard to balance work, yeah. work, and life. <laughs> this year, I was able to kind of get everything together from my templates and my processes to just committing to things to be able to be able to commit and tell clients, yeah, I'll get this for you in a week or two weeks, whatever the time frame is, and I'm able to deliver, which is a huge thing. Yeah, that's huge. Mine is similar. I, I also, I, I had a, a good year this year. I had, I've worked on, I touched more songs than I've ever touched in, in any other year in my life, which is, which is awesome. It's it's forced me to to look at scheduling and and you know how do I know if I have when I can fit a project in and so that's that's been the biggest challenge I've solved I have like a scheduling software that I I um, bought cool. a license for and now I can build out every project I get I have you know it has multiple steps it's built out into a Gantt chart I can see what all the projects I'm working on are in a single view. I can see if I'm overbooked for a week and I can shuffle things around. So it's been working for me so far relatively well. That's a great idea. I might have to reach out to you about that in the future because I just build all that stuff by hand. Uh, my second one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is a big one. Um, normally, <laughs> previous years in the studio, when I'm really busy working on projects, I don't look for clients because I'm too busy working on projects. And then when I have no projects, I'm busy looking for clients because I have no projects. But right. this year, it was much more of a simultaneous thing, which felt really good. And it felt like I was seeing some of the fruit of putting in effort on, on both fronts. So I would have projects I'm working on and also be onboarding clients at the same time, oh, which is a awesome. good feeling to have. Yeah. And I can't necessarily say it's from anything necessarily that I did. Probably the, actually probably the, biggest thing that I did that improved that was my first thing was just being more consistent and working faster. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, that's, that's a big one. That's important to make time for. I'm um, still finding a balance there myself. Uh, I know what you mean. There's a tendency when you get really busy to just put your head down and, and work. Yeah. And not make time for some of these other things uh, that are important. And just thinking about the wisdom of like, you have to like, you have to plant seeds for the future harvest. And like, you can't, I can't go outside. Well, you know, we can, cause we live in modern society. I can go down to giant Eagle and get myself, you know, a sandwich if I'm hungry, <laughs> but let's, let's imagine it's ancient times and you know, our studios run that way. Like if I'm, if I'm hungry, if I need like an artist to work with, but I'm relying on planting a seed and having it grow. It's not that harvest isn't going to be ready for months right. later so it's the same you'll, you'll be same dead idea. yeah exactly <laughs> um i don't think i mentioned this on the podcast before but i'm expecting a child no you month. haven't no so we need to tell uh, vadim congratulations thank you thank you yes february 2022 <sighs> oh, my male man. heir will hopefully be born and i imagine that'll turn everything upside down so Whatever I have to figure out and improve, I have to do it in one month, basically. <laughs> that's not true, but I know what you mean. I no, no, mean. no, it's not. Yeah, I was just kidding. But yeah, it's exciting. Uh, looking forward to that. So cool, that's man. Well, very exciting, man. Yeah, I um, applaud your year. I think you've, it sounds like you've 
grown a lot and you have some great plans. I'm excited to see what you what you crank out and I'm, and uh, what uh, your original music sounds like. I don't know that I've ever really known what your your actual solo stuff sounds like. I mean, other than the one song you're you're working on now, but yeah, I'm excited for that. That'd be cool. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. I'm I'm excited to hear what it sounds like too. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> in some ways I I don't know if I've settled on a style, so right. that'll be part right. of the fun yeah. of it. Yeah, cool. That's exciting. All yeah, right, man. And- well, um, looking forward to it all, and yeah, wrap up. I guess until next time. It's the DIY Recording Guys reminding you to check yourself before you wreck yourself. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.